Chapter Nine of Garibaldi and the Making of Italy by George Macaulay Trevelyan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Garibaldi's mistakes in Naples, the check before Capua, a qualciano di tutti questo piccoli qua, che ora ci preoccupano tanto ci ricordare di una costa sola de ricordermo tutti per sempre ci ricordermo ci in questi due anni se fatta italia massoni saying in the winter of eighteen sixty in a few years who will recollect all these little troubles which now obsess our minds one thing only we shall all of us remember forever we shall remember that in these two years italy was made on september eighth the day after garibaldi's entry the bourbon commandant of the castle san elmo sent word that he could no longer restrain his men from bombarding the city at their feet very well said the dictator let them fire and we will fire back he had on that day no military force in naples except the national guard who were fit only for policing the streets but his fearless tone quelled the enemy's soldiers they did not open fire and in the course of the next three days handed over all the four castles to the national guard none of the outgoing regiments would listen to the invitations to desert that were showered upon them but marched off scowling at the people full of zeal to join their king and comrades in the last stand behind the volturno the loyalty of the army to the bourbons even stronger among the rank and file than among the officers defeated the calculations alike of garibaldi and of cavour who had each confidently expected that if the revolution succeeded at all the army would come over wholesale to aid the wars of liberation for the rest of the peninsula the loyalty of the soldiers was a measure of their professional feeling and of their isolation from the community at large to whom they had been related not as defenders of the fatherland or representatives of the national honour but as the tyrant's bodyguard kept to repress the citizens therefore they were left untouched by the tide of popular sentiment for united italy and while half of them rallied around francis the second at capua and gaeta the other fifty thousand disbanded and went sulkily to their homes or took to the hills as brigands in the north of the kingdom where a part of the population itself was reactionary under clerical influence there ensued a state of sporadic civil war of which the worst horrors had been spared to the southern provinces on september eighth news reached the dictator from the district of ariano to the east of the capital that generals bonanno and flores with four thousand bourbon troops had there roused up the royalist peasantry who were robbing massacring and raping in the houses of the liberals the first fifteen hundred of garibaldi's army who arrived in naples on the ninth were allowed only a few hours rest before they were sent off again to quell the insurrection tour who went in command took them by train to nola there put them into carts and carriages and drove with the utmost speed to the scene of operations bonanno in spite of his superior numbers agreed without a blow to disband his force it appears that conversations with comrades returning to their homes from calabria had so much discouraged his men that he no longer dared rely upon them to fight tour acted not only with vigor but with clemency 
he shot two of the ringleaders of the peasant massacre though the local liberals who had suffered begged him to shoot around a dozen and disliked the practical application of his doctrine that a new era of liberty and brotherhood had dawned for all italians the repression of similar reactionary massacres in molise and the abruzzi was conducted by general Ciadellini and the piedmontese regulars in the later months of the year was on a scale of vengeance more calculated to satisfy the local demand than anything that garibaldi or his lieutenants were ever known to permit the arrival in naples of the rest of the army from calabria and basilicata was accelerated by the help of the newly acquired shipping of the port some of the regiments in the rear were brought by sea to paola and some from sapri while others marched the last division under medici reached naples on september fifteenth and the following days in the course of a quarrel at paola for the first passage on board a steamer nino bixio had broken the heads of several of his companions in arms with the butt end of a musket as usual he repented of his savage rage and made friends with the victim whom he had nearly killed cavour was agreeably surprised by the dictator's first acts in naples on the evening of his entry before he lay down to rest he had issued a decree generously handing over the whole neapolitan fleet to king victor emmanuel and placing it forthwith under the orders of admiral persano to the detriment of his own power and authority three days later he invited a battery of piedmontese artillery and a battalion of bersaglieri in the harbour to land and to cooperate with him in garrisoning naples he also chose moderates and cavorians as his ministers among others laborio romano whom he continued in the offices which he had held under francis the second these first steps taken as cavour knew on the advice of the sage cosense proved to all the world that no thought lurked in garibaldi's mind of any ultimate settlement for sicily and naples except union under the monarchy of victor emmanuel but he intended to postpone that union until he could proclaim the king of italy on the capital and he publicly announced that he would march on rome over the last ruins of the neapolitan army on the volturno the desire to march to the deliverance of the holy city was inspired in his mind not by political calculation but by poetic passion by the memories of antiquity and of his own defence of the janiculum in forty nine the romantic element was the strongest in his nature and ruled him for good or evil at all the great crises of his life the lover's passion for rome was fostered in him by bertani and the other extremists who saw in it a means towards their own political ends it was to them a method of delaying annexation until it could be effected on terms fatal to cavour's continuance in office and dangerous to the prestige of the monarchy which would be reduced to the position of accepting the crown of italy as a gift at the hands of the revolutionary leader garibaldi and the mazzinians were alike under a delusion as to the practicability of taking the city of rome they believed that the french people were on the italian side in this matter and that the tyrant napoleon the third when seriously challenged would be forced to withdraw his garrison from rome for fear of revolution in france they were equally wrong about prince and the people 
in reality the clerical and anti-italian feeling of france of that day was the main reason why napoleon could not utterly desert the pope for whom at heart he had little love until in the latter half of september it became apparent that the bourbon forces rallied behind the volturno were strong enough to check garibaldi's advance on rome cavour was at his wit's end for ways and means to prevent a complication which must involve italy either in civil war or in war with france knowing that he had lost all influence of his own with the dictator cavour turned in every direction to find others who could remonstrate with better chance of success at his instigation kossuth wrote to garibaldi congratulating him on his triumphs in the cause of freedom and imploring him not to embroil italy with france in a quarrel under the walls of rome that could only redound to the advantage of austria at the expense of hungary and of venice cavour even commandeered the services of the english to remonstrate with their favourite lord shaftesbury wrote from london to tell garibaldi that he gave thanks to god for his success and to conjure him not to imperil it by attacking the pope too soon even edwin james the barrister on a holiday had been set on to use his influence with the dictator in favourite of immediate annexation persano implored admiral mundi for whom garibaldi had conceived a great affection since the events of palermo to persuade his friend not to advance on rome lord john russell had instructed elliot the british minister to the disposed king to remain at naples and if possible to dissuade its new master from attacking venice elliot and mundi therefore arranged an unofficial meeting between themselves and garibaldi in the cabin of h m s hannibal it took place on september tenth bertani who followed the dictator about like his evil genius had to be asked twice to quit the cabin before he would leave his victim alone with the two englishmen his fears on this occasion were groundless for garibaldi though cordial and patient was impervious to all representations of the dangers into which his further advance would plunge italy he repeated in a tone of enthusiasm that he would first crown victor emmanuel in rome and that then the task of liberating venice would devolve upon the king the conduct of britannia naples was unworthy of his former great services to italy he who had once done so much to bring together garibaldi and cavour now worked only too successfully to divide them he became the mouthpiece of self-seeking politicians like Ritazzi and his friends who hoping to step into cavour's ministerial shoes were not ashamed to write that garibaldi was the only person who could strike him down urged on by such counsellors bertani daily inflamed the dictator's hatred against the man who had sold nice regardless of the fact that the man was now in consequence liberating the papal marches garibaldi published a letter stating that he could never again work with cavour and then sent a note to victor emmanuel asking him to dismiss his great minister bertani indeed advised garibaldi against this step not because he wished cavour to remain in office but because he rightly foresaw that the request would be refused and cavour's position strengthened unlike ritazzi bertani was at least disinterested he was not seeking cavour's place but the union of italy 
he had impaired his health and his mental balance by working day and night on his sick bed at genoa organizing half the forces by means of which garibaldi had reached naples he had brought on italian unity by such great strides that year that he could not believe it necessary to call a halt he had by his rival activities compelled cavour to invade the papal states himself and he could not see that although thanks to cavour's manipulation of napoleon umbria and the marches were fair game france still threw her shield over the city of rome on september nineteenth he persuaded the dictator to send round three hundred men under catalini to land at terracina in the papal states in order to prepare the way for the advance of the main garbaldian army on rome the orders for this foolish expedition were actually given but were rescinded at the advice of sertori garibaldi's military lieutenants sertori cosens tour medici and bixio were all opposed to the extravagant counsels of the civilians bertani crispi and mazzini for mazzini too was in naples he arrived on september seventeenth and remained not in hiding but in obscurity a stranger who met him one evening in a private house without knowing at first who he was describes him as an old man with a sweet voice saying wise and noble things to a group of garibaldian officers who listened to his words with profound respect when he touched actual politics he was less happily inspired he wrote on september twenty third to garibaldi saying that he preferred not to come to see him in the crowd at the palazzo di agri but that he hoped the dictator would offer these terms to victor manuel immediate annexation of naples in return for the dismissal of cavour and war with the austrians and venetia the dictator would probably have been better pleased if mazzini had stayed away but since he had come he would listen to no suggestion for sending him back and when the scum of naples shouted death to mazzini under his windows garibaldi protected him and rebuked the rioters to the men who were making italy mazzini's arrival in naples was an exasperating addition to the dangers of the gamble on which their country's existence was staked so long as he continued to play a part and a mistaken part upon the whole in political affairs it was impossible for all men to give the father of italian unity his meed of thanks and to be always remembering that but for his work in the thirties and forties there would have been no eighteen sixty throughout this year when his life's work was being brought to fruition by others mazzini was in a state of melancholy resignation for although he felt confident that the union of italy was at hand it was not the idealist italy which he had striven to evoke he sought no thanks for himself from the country which he had made and dreamt of no apotheosis but only of a speedy end to life in his english land of exile now grown dear to him unity he writes to mrs taylor you may consider as settled and so far so good the rest is all wrong and as for myself don't talk of either prosperity or consciousness of having done etc all that is chaff the only real good thing would be to have unity achieved quickly through garibaldi and one year before dying of walham green or eastbourne long silences a few affectionate words to smooth the ways plenty of seagulls and sad dozing 
except that there was less unanimity on behalf of the national cause the attitude of the people of naples after the entry of garibaldi closely resembled that of the people of palermo three months before in naples as in palermo devotion to the person of the liberator was deep and genuine and did not grow less on closer acquaintance the southern populations found him far more simpatico than they found other northerners and when he retired in november and left them to the piedmontese officials they soon wished him back again but so long as he was with them though they were never tired of cheering him they were annoyed by his policy of postponing the annexation in which alone they saw a sure way of safety the reason why the neapolitans shouted death under the windows of mazzini was that he opposed immediate and unconditional annexation they wished victor emmanuel would come at once to give them security and peace the impatience of the neapolitans with the interim government of the dictator was increased by faults of administration many common convicts were led out of prison on the ground that they were political prisoners and stabbing and crime grew more rife than ever the moderate ministers whom garibaldi had chosen on his first entry found themselves overridden by the dictator's secretary bertani who treated them as ciphers and carried on the most important acts of government without consulting them on september twenty second the ministry sent in the resignation five days later it was accepted and their places were taken by more passive tools of the omnipotent secretariat the despotism of bertani and of crispi who succeeded him on september thirtieth as secretary without altering the policy pursued would have been endured gladly if it had meant order and a peaceable transition towards the approaching regime of italian unity but it seemed rather to tend to anarchy and maladministration the hopes of the reactionaries revived and seditious correspondence was sent on foot between naples and gaeta neither garibaldi nor bertani had any conception of the proper limits to which a provisional government should confine its work and many of their decrees made important changes in the principles of law finance and state machinery which should have been left to the mature decision of the future italian parliament europe was justly shocked by a dictatorial decree giving a pension to the mother of agasalio milano the idealist fanatic who had attempted to assassinate bomba though it is possible to plead in mitigation of garibaldi's offence the flattery long bestowed on milano's memory by eminently respectable persons in england as well as in italy a more innocent act of patronage was more loudly blamed in naples the dictator nominated alexandra dumas as honorary director of the national museum and excavations dumas who really loved the italian cause and had in his swaggering way done more for it than was pleasing to the government and the fashionable classes of his own country was ungratefully accused by the neapolitans of dipping his fingers into their public purse it was true that if he had not undertaken the duties of the directorate for nothing it might have been given as a paid post to some native the appointment of a foreigner was unwise apart from all question of the novelist equipment as an archaeologist but dumas was subjected to much undeserved abuse 
all these political questions and quarrels revolving around the central problem whether or not annexation should be immediate and unconditional found their solution in military events against which there was no appeal the check of garibaldi before capua and the success of victor emmanuel's troops in the papal states in return for the supreme sacrifice of his capital king francis had obtained a new position of strength geographically and politically suited for a successful rally of the royalist element in the army and the kingdom gaeta afforded a secure base of operation and in the event of defeat a last stronghold which could hold out for months even against a regular army with siege guns but the front line of defence was the northern bank of the lower volturno a deep muddy river fordable at widely scattered points known as scaife or ferries the only bridge was that which led into capua the celebrated monsieur vauban whose creation so often baffled william the third and retarded marlborough had designed the defences of capua and they had been modernized and enlarged by a russian military architect as late as eighteen fifty five the bastions were well furnished with cannon provided strong enough to oppose a final limit to garibaldi's career of victory this impregnable te du pont of capua enabled the bourbon troops to cross the river whenever they wished and to debouch on the cultivated plain on the south bank which was admirably suited for the operations of regular troops against ill-disciplined levies behind these strong barriers raised by art and nature the royalists rallied around their king there was no longer any constitutional ministers or any officers or privates of doubtful loyalty to create an atmosphere of division and distrust the white flag of the bourbons was again unfurled the tricolor and the constitution were stowed away together and reactionary passions were no longer discouraged and concealed in the course of september some fifty thousand soldiers assembled in the lines some of them from distant parts of the kingdom all having come voluntarily and out of genuine devotion to a fallen cause the privates were still the most enthusiastic grade in the service but disloyal officers were no longer to be found in the camp the fighting spirit shown by the bourbon troops in the battles of september and october after the capital had been surrendered without a blow contrasts strangely with the manner in which they had fled and disbanded in august when the royal cause had been in a far less desperate condition the change was partly due to the presence of the king in their midst and to the fact that they no longer had half-hearted friends within and a hostile population around but there always remains something inscrutable to northerners and the vagaries of the southern temperament the volturno region was not only military but politically well chosen the peasants were the most reactionary in the kingdom and the friendly border of the papal states was close in the rear there was suggested in high quarters that the moricherie who commanded the pope's army of foreign crusaders in umbria should make a forced march southward unite with king francis troops and carry him back in triumph to naples on the advice of persigny the french ambassador in london king francis telegraphed from gaeta to ask for the pope's consent to this plan but the invasion of the papal states by the armies of victor emmanuel from the north 
gave the pope's generals plenty to do at home the bourbon position on the volturno was by no means merely defensive it threatened naples which was divided from capua by no more than eighteen miles of flat ground well supplied with country roads concentrating on the capital garibaldi's nominal attack on capua soon became no better than a defence of naples conducted with great difficulty and peril before the gates of capua to the fifty thousand bourbon regulars gathered behind the volturno garibaldi by the end of september opposed some twenty thousand volunteers besides his own field army there were insurrectionary bands and private regiments enlisted throughout all the provinces under his dictatorship when his forces were paid off in november it was stated officially that as many as fifty thousand names appeared on the muster rolls but garibaldi himself declared that only a third of those enrolled ever came near the scene of actual conflict sicily held seven out of the fifty thousand and besides those who were engaged in garrisoning and patrolling the capital and the southern provinces thousands of ne'er-do-wells drew pay for trailing rifles and sabres in the cafes of naples and parading themselves along the streets in uniforms of many colors the force actually at the front varying during september and october from fifteen thousand to twenty thousand men was mainly composed of northern volunteers but there were among them three thousand calabrians and lucanians and about as many sicilians the city of naples so tour reported in the middle of october has sent exactly eighty of her half-million inhabitants to join the army protecting her on the volturno dispassionate observers of the garibaldini in that autumn agreed that they contained the cream and the dregs of the nation when the thousand sailed for sicily in may there had been no dregs but the process of adulteration had been continuous ever since the bad element increasing in exact proportion to the success already achieved until after the occupation of naples the red shirt covered as much heroism and baseness as has ever been concealed by cloth of any colour garibaldi's lifelong dream of the levee en masse of regenerated italians which was to sweep french and austrian back across the alps wrecked itself on the realities of human nature and the stern requirements of effective military organization instead of the one hundred and fifty thousand men for whom he had hoped he got fifty thousand out of whom perhaps not more than half could look the enemy in the face but of these several thousands were of really heroic mould and it was these few who saved italy on the volturno the further supply of the best sort of fighters had been cut off by cavour who since the middle of august had stopped the exodus of volunteers from genoa and the north by cutting off the supply of men cavour secured his object of rendering garibaldi too weak to attack rome but in doing so he nearly caused him to lose naples garibaldi's headquarters were established in the palace at caserta this monotonous and gigantic edifice is at least more pleasing than versailles in imitation of which it was built by van vitelli architect to carlos the third bomba's great-grandfather it has been reared upon the plain but a mile behind it at the end of the long palace garden 
rises a steep mountain range of white limestone on the top of which can be seen in the distance the ruined castle and hill town of old caserta out of the mountainside spouts and tumbles a force of water conducted from twenty miles away into that arid region by the great aqueduct of van vitelli which spans the Madaloni valley with a structure worthy of imperial rome below the cataract at caserta the water glides more gently toward the palace from basin to basin between groups of classical statues and dark groves of evergreen at such pains was this artificial river brought to the king's country seat by the first and most popular of the neapolitan bourbons who realized the highest ideal of kingship as understood under the ancient regime for he did not forget to send on the water to irrigate the plain and to supply the capital carlos the third died the year before the french revolution began and his descendants failed to adapt themselves to the new era and so now among these groves so long reserved for princes the garibaldini were encamped poaching the royal peasants much to the subsequent scandal of victor manuel's lackeys who thought that the sacred birds ought to have been kept till their master arrived to shoot them while the advanced guard over against capua held santa maria and sant angelo in formus the reserve was bivouacked in the courtyards and gardens of caserta palace and on the great parade ground that lies between it and the station as in the palace at palermo garibaldi and his staff occupied some of the smallest rooms they could find the dictator enjoyed this much of kingly pomp that whenever he appeared in the field or in the street any band that perceived him at once struck up garibaldi's hymn and he was now attended by a bodyguard of red shirts whom it amused him to arm with a set of pompous halberds from one of the staterooms of the palace the principal duty of the bodyguard was to save him from the hundreds of petitioners who besieged his door day and night clamoring for offices and pensions and for revenge upon their private enemies rival committees mutually denouncing each other as bourbonists with the envenomed sycophancy of the levantine revolted the soul of garibaldi he passed them on as far as might be to britannia naples and was glad to spend all the hours of daylight on horseback upon the mountains whither they could not follow him but when he returned to caserta each night he found them still at their posts before his door his habit of retiring at nightfall and rising before dawn saved him from prolonged contact with this human plague at caserta he was always up and about before his staff once indeed shortly after midnight while nulo and zasio were sitting in the outer room having held festival over some simple luxuries of the camp their chief came out from his bedroom fresh from sleep and booted for the day he nodded and smiled to them as he passed out and they could only look up at each other foolishly enough to murmur he gets up too soon thus abroad bedtimes he proceeded every day to visit the outposts travelling from caserta to santa maria by train or by carriage and thence riding along the lines to the village of sant'angelo built at the foot of the mountain out of the ruins of roman pleasure villas thence he would climb on foot to the summit of monte tifata or to the ruined chapel of san nicola a few yards below 
where once a temple of jupiter had overlooked the rich capuan plain monte tefata the most westernly spur of the mountains that lie between the caudine forks and capua is also one of the highest peaks of the group it rises almost two thousand feet sheer out of the seaward level half its flanks are clothed with forests and half are naked limestone with shrubs and flowers breaking out between the white rocks arrived at its summit garibaldi felt safe from sycophants and political tormentors of every kind here he spent many happy hours in the september sunshine watching through his telescope the movements of his own and of the enemy's columns on clear days he had the view of every winding of the volturno from the ferry of cagliazzo to the sea and each of the ribbon of road on the vast plain stretching on all sides of capua it was from monte tefata that hannibal had watched week after week for the glint of sunshine upon armor which might betray to him some cautious move of fabius in the plain below when they two matched wits and capua was the prize and now from the same rocks garibaldi in his turn was watching the red and blue pieces in the game of chess to which he had challenged the bourbon generals the proper strategy for the royalists to adopt would have been the very opposite to the delay by which fabius restored the fortunes of rome they should have attacked in the middle of september while garibaldi's position at santa maria and sant'angelo was still a skeleton line marshal ritucci the commander-in-chief at capua unlike the generals of sicily and calabria was neither a coward nor a fool but he failed to grasp the need for instantly taking the offensive overawed by garibaldi's unbroken record of victory he preferred fabian tactics being sure that he could hold capua against him no doubt he calculated that when the dictator's advance was shown to be permanently checked his political hold on naples and south italy would relax and his volunteer forces melt away and there was talk of help in a few months time from austria or the pope ritucci's plan was well laid but he had forgotten cavour it was the piedmontese and not the austrians victor emmanuel and not la Morricherie who arrived to decide the well-balanced struggle on the banks of the volturno end of chapter nine